And it's a shame that we had to record on Saturday this weekend instead of Sunday, because if we were to record tomorrow instead, I'm pretty confident that it would be a a Stanley Cup champion discussion show, because the Lightning are up 3-1 to now, thanks to their 5-4 overtime win last night, and they play Game 5 tonight on the second half of a back-to-back in the Stanley Cup final, which some people were complaining about, but I don't really mind. So, I mean, if I had to if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say whether it's today or in game six or seven, Tampa Bay probably has upward of a 90% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. You mean tonight? Just in one game? Just, just tonight, you mean? No, no, overall. Like, just tonight, oh, okay. maybe, like, maybe like 65%-ish over, at any point, about 90, 91, 92 Oh, I mean, it really does feel like the series is pretty much wrapped up, isn't it? Uh, you look at the last four games, especially the last three, uh, Tampa's won all three. Uh, they just look like the better team out there. And I mean, if we're putting odds on it, I've seen like Dom Lachish's model had like 5% chance for Dallas to come back because really, it's a Stanley Cup final. It's a 3-1 lead, people. It's a 3 They Like, come on, give me a break. And Tampa's the better team, talent-wise, but also just like how they're playing. Uh, they're juiced. They're going. Uh, their top line, their power play is just clicking. Kicking like crazy. I mean, uh, what? Palat, Kucherov, and Point. I mean, that line is just ridiculous. Whenever they're on the ice, they're just absolutely lethal. Uh, and then that includes the power play, obviously. And then when it comes to Dallas, I mean, they haven't been playing their best hockey. I mean, like, they, they were great against Vegas. But it, it just seems like they can't get their footing against Tampa. I think it might be that they're just facing another cal- like just another tier of opponent this time around because Tampa is just that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're shutting down their, Dallas's top line. I mean, what is it? Ben Sagan and whoever the fuck, like Juryanov and Radulov. Uh, all four of those guys. Like how many points, how many goals do those guys have? Like, like practically nothing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just last night, the game was 5-4. Uh, and it feels like Dallas, if they wanted to have any shot, well, obviously, like, you know, like games wise, they had to tie it up 2 2, 2 2, 3 1. It's a huge difference. But also, it was a game where they were up 2 0. Uh, and it really felt like, you know, they it felt like they had control of the game for a solid little while there. But then they gave up, you know, a couple goals at like at the very end of the period. Uh, they allowed Tampa to, you know, to claw back and then they lost it in overtime. Uh, and so, yeah, it just feels like the ice is kind of tilted here. Tampa really does feel like the better team. Uh, and Steven Stamkos. Also came back for under three minutes time on ice, scored a goal, definitely contributed. I think that's probably like for him, that probably has to, you know, kind of lift a burden off your shoulders because I know obviously if they win the Stanley Cup and he doesn't play, like it still feels great. But I mean, the fact that he helped out just for one game, got a goal, uh, you know, it, it definitely makes a big difference. And not, not to mention, like if assuming he doesn't come back and play for the rest of the series, which he still might, but assuming he doesn't, uh, then he blows the goals per 60 playoff record out of the water, which was previously <laughs> like eight something. He's got it at like 19 right now, one goal in about three minutes time on ice. So great for him. That was, that was pretty cool. It was a similar thing actually, like in 2016, uh, he had been off for, I think a couple months and he came back for game seven in the conference finals against Pittsburgh. They did not win that game. 
but it's looking like it's going to be a happier ending this time around. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story for Stamkos, right? Uh, guy's been out forever, and then, like, it's it's crazy. Comes back, first game, like, his third shift, uh, he scores a goal. And, like, I mean, there are guys who go an entire cup run without, like, fucking scoring a goal and contributing as much as this guy did, not only on the ice, obviously, for a very limited amount of time, but also off the ice. You know, you can tell how much the guys like him. Uh, you know, they got him out for, what was it, the Prince of Wales Trophy or whatever it's called, uh, when they won the conference championship. Uh, they had him come out on the ice and everything, and it's clear that, you know, and, and fuck, it, not only his teammates, but this guy is just a, a likable guy in general, right? Uh, it's hard to root against Steven Stamkos uh, as a fan, even even as a guy who doesn't, you know, love the Tampa Bay Lightning in particular. Just Steven Stamkos seems like a nice guy. And so, yeah, definitely feels good. Uh, and, yeah, just a feel-good story for Stamkos. And, it, I mean, when he does win, I mean, this guy's been through some rough times the last few years uh, when it comes to injuries and playoff disappointments and just not making the playoffs in general. And so, you know, he, it, well, this a lot of this Tampa core as well. But him in particular, it's just when they do eventually win, uh, you know, it's, it's, it definitely feels good for him. Yeah. Uh, last week, I think you, we brought up the Conn Smythe. And you said Hedman will probably win, and I said Braden Point will probably win. Uh, I might like to change my mind a little bit now, even though I think Braden Point got two goals last night. I hadn't realized how good Victor Hedman has been this whole time. So I probably would switch my mind. That probably would be my pick. But not to mention, besides those two, Nikita Kucherov, I think, just broke the record for... uh, It was either assists or points for a winger in the playoffs. I think assists. Uh, but I might be wrong there. And when you have that guy who might be like, what, the, the third candidate, like, I know you usually, like, um, it kind of makes sense, but the team with multiple great Consmith options tends to be the team that wins the Stanley Cup. Like, you look at Dallas, Hudobin, Haskinen, probably the only two if Dallas were to win, at least at this point. I don't know if they'll storm back and win, but I'm not, not counting on it. And it does make sense that the team with more very valuable players would win. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Not only is that roster stack, but yeah, you look at these three guys. They're just, it's stupid. Uh, I mean, Hedman, obviously this guy been crazy. Just like he's, he's great all over the ice, but particularly uh, in the offensive zone, men's was scoring goals uh, like some sort of forward out here. And then, uh, you know, Braden Point, obviously. I mean, you saw his goals yesterday. Uh, the one where he, the second one where he batted out of midair into the net. Uh, and then obviously, and then the, the breakaway goal that was his first one. And he's just, uh, looks fantastic, and obviously, and Kucherov's just playing on another level right now. It's just, he's like, all, you know, like, uh, this team is really clicking, and then, and it's a team that's clicking that has crazy talent on paper. That's the thing. They're just stacked all over the place. And, yeah, to have three guys who on any given year, they had this kind of production, I would have absolutely no problem giving the con smite. Yeah, just, it speaks to how good this team is. And honestly, you know, uh, I, I think the favorite right now is Hedman. But you could give it to you could give it to Kucherov, heck, you could give it to Point, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, they've just they just played. They're just all all three of them are playing that well, and I mean, yeah, they're they're fueling that Tampa team. They're fueling that Tampa team, and that's and and that's how you want it, right? Your your stars are going, and they kind of boost your depth players as well, and and now you got your whole team going. Vasilevsky, uh, I thought you looked a, a bit tired last night. But I think both goalies are kind of feeling it at this point. Hudobin hasn't been very good over the course of this series either. Uh, but other than that, Vasilevsky, he's been fantastic. He made some great stops last night as well uh, and to keep Tampa in it when they were down. And so, yeah, just this whole team. This whole team is clicking. And you look at those top stars, and they're just fucking producing on a, on a stupid level at this point. 
Yeah, for all the talk about how the NHL is, you know, a two-goalie league now, I think Tampa Bay was the only team in the second round who had only played one goalie in the playoffs up until that point. Yeah, yeah, because Dallas, you know, Kudobin and Bishop, uh, you know, all the other teams, Raskin, Halak, uh, Hart and Elliott, all the other teams had played at least two guys. Colorado had played three, I think. Vasilevsky, still the only Tampa goalie who's played in these playoffs. Curtis McElhaney hasn't seen any ice yet. And I think uh, that really speaks to, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky being one of the very best goalies in the world. Uh, not sure if I would have had him in the running for the Vesna this season based on how everyone else did in the regular season. But I mean, he kind of, he has proved, like, if I had to pick one goalie to, like, people are always talking about, oh, you know, can't sign one goalie to big money. A lot of times, Carey Price is said in that. Andre Vasilevsky's eight-year nine point or uh, is it eight or seven uh i think eight eight year 9.5 million dollar aav contract kicks in next season and i mean that is like a six million dollar raise for him against the cap but any goalie to give that to i think he's definitely worth it definitely more so than bobrovsky at least oh absolutely i mean this guy's uh he's obviously got that kind of quote-unquote clutch factor but this guy's just crazy athletic uh and Man belongs on the highlight reels, but not just making the highlight uh, highlight reel saves, but he's just he's just an elite goaltender all around. Uh, and he's pretty young, too, right? Like 26. Uh, and so, you know, out of all the guys to give an eight-year contract, absolutely. Uh, yeah, out of any of the goalies right now in the league that you give uh, a long-term contract to a fat one, it's like it's him and Carter Hart that I would have absolutely no qualms about it. You know, age, really, I, I don't think it'll make such a huge difference. I don't think there'll be a cliff. Uh, for Vasilevsky with this contract, maybe near the tail end, but that's for anybody that you give. That's for anybody elite that you give a long-term contract to. And so, yeah, just Vasilevsky, he's shown why he's so freaking good. Uh, he's just, I, I mean, like, yeah, Tampa, I mean, one of the main reasons, like, they've avoided so many, they've avoided, like, game sixes and sevens at this point. They just beat teams in five, and then that's it. Uh, just in terms of closing it out, Vasilevsky has been fantastic. Uh, just really, I mean, there's no holes in this team. What are you going to point to and be like, oh, it's terrible? Uh, I mean, like, that, that bottom pair of, like, Shen and Bogosian, that's, that's about it. Uh, and when you're really just criticizing the bottom pair and nobody else, uh, it just goes, goes I mean, this, this team deserves to win the Cup. That's all, that's all there is to say. Uh, they're just the best team in the NHL, and honestly, it's not even that close. It's not close at all. Yeah, honestly, Shen and Bogosian isn't even really the bottom pair. They're really the number six and seven because they've been dressing seven defensemen. Uh, right, actually, I'm not sure if Luke Shen's been in the lineup. I think Yan Ruda has been instead of him now. So, like, Ruda's been playing with Hedman on the de facto top pair. Um, Hedman, not Hedman, McDonough and Shattenkirk, I think, have been together. And then we have, like, Sergachev and Chernak, Eric Chernak, and that leaves Bogosian as the number seven. So... Yeah, so even better than than you had than you had in mind with that. Uh, we've been pretty lucky so far on this show with these like preemptive, you know, celebrations and stuff. I hope this one doesn't come back to bite us. But honestly, I'm very confident it won't. It won't. And um, well, actually, whichever happens, uh, yeah, game seven would be wait Saturday, Tuesday. No, Monday, Wednesday. So yeah, no matter what happens, next show the Stanley Cup will be out, and I am. Very confident it's going to be going to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, are we? We're about eleven minutes in now. Is that it for the finals? Do we want to move on to the Habs news? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Got a got a couple of contracts here uh, that are being yeah. handed out. All right. Uh, well, first of all, Jake Evans got a two-year extension, I believe, 
for $750,000 per year. I think that's a great signing. That's going to provide great value for the next two seasons as a very good fourth-line center. Maybe he could even move up to the third line when needed, third line wing a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, and the big one, player's name starts with a J, Joseph Blandisi, uh, one of our Italian spices. One year, $700,000 against the cap and real money, of course. Two-way contract. Uh, Joseph Blandisi will be returning. Maybe he'll even play some NHL games next season. And, of course, Jeff Petrie, the actually big one. Four-year deal. $6.25 million AAV. And pretty much everyone's reaction was fair value. Fair value. Not brilliant. Not going to be a disaster. And that, that's, that was pretty much my impression as well. Like, I was hoping for it to be three years. The four doesn't scare me too badly. It does keep him till he's 37, which is slightly alarming, but not really. Anything more than four, I would have thought that was bad. And, I mean, 6.25... Uh, I think that was a uh, that's a pretty good number. That's a pretty good number for Jeff Petrie. Like, I if he hit the open market next year, he's probably getting around seven AAV. So, so this is a pretty good deal. You know, I gotta say, for for a guy heading into his UFA season, uh, I really do like it. I think I like it more than you. I'd go as far as to say I love this contract. Uh, it's just you're locking up a guy who I understand he's like 32, 33. Uh, he's getting up there in age. But he even at thirty, even just this last season, that guy like other than Shea Weber, like he's often the best defenseman out there for the Habs. I mean, there are times where Shea Weber, you're looking at him in the defensive zone, you're kind of like scratching your head. But Jeff Petrie, all this guy's, this guy's a stud, and he's un- criminally underrated, I think, under the league, uh, across the league. And I think if he had made it to UFA, uh, you know, he'd be asking for five, six years. And I think there are teams that would have given it to him. Uh, I think he would have been asking for seven, seven and a half. And I think there would have been a team that would have given it to him. And so getting him under on both of those four years, $6.25 million. I really, I really love it. I mean, I just, I don't see the downside to it. If he falls off that last year, I mean, at that point, you're hoping that your defense, you kind of like, you know, the, the younger guys have gotten better. And so you can afford to have, you know, a slightly fallen off Jeff Petrie for a year at $6.25 million, which really... If you think about it, there are plenty of defensemen who are signed around there that are worse than Jeff Petrie. And so, yeah, just this it just seems like fucking great value at this point. Because it's just I really like the four years term. I know you wanted three, but like you really think Jeff Petrie was gonna take three years anywhere? Uh teams nope. would have been lining up around the block to give him five, six years, uh, given how he's played over the last basically his whole stint with the has, he's been fantastic. Uh I mean Best or second best defenseman throughout the whole thing. Uh, yeah, just part of that core on the defense. And it seemed Bergevin really wanted to keep him. I don't blame him at all. Uh, and so, and locking him up at this at this price point, you know, it's it's that's a thing. UFAs, they typically get overpaid. I don't think Jeff Petrie's getting overpaid here. They typically get too many years. I don't think he's got too many years here for a UFA. And so, you know, I can roasted him for that Edmondson signing last week. But I think Bergevin did pretty well for himself. Uh, with this contract. Yeah, I think so too. Actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, well, obviously, remember they acquired Jeff Petrie as a rental in the 14-15 season from the Oilers for a second round pick. Very, very good trade. And then they, he was, you know, approaching UFA as a, a, a rental does. And they signed him, well, he signed back with Montreal, six-year deal, five and a half million dollars per year. At the time, 
I know I wasn't so intellectually advanced at the age of 13 or whatever, but I didn't like it. I thought it was a big overpayment. And now look, the contract is almost done and he's literally gotten better, pretty much like gotten better every season. Uh, he was on pace to set a career high in points for the fourth year in a row. I'm not sure if he's going to keep that pattern up, but at least this trajectory he's gone on over the past four years, or I guess five years or so, five and a half since he's been with Montreal has implied that he's not going to fall off, or at the very least, if he does fall off, it won't be drastic because he's managed to improve into, you know, 29, 30, 31, 32. He's stayed at the same level at the very least. So that's something encouraging. And look, the contract is, it's almost done and he gets a raise. It's like, like so I know 10-year contracts weren't allowed at that point, but like if they were and he signs that 10-year $5.5 million deal and we say that's ridiculous, then well, technically it's a better situation for Montreal based on this new four-year contract that we just gave him. Yeah, but that's the thing though, right? This guy only got to say, he plays great for six years, five years with the Habs and he's, he gets a $750,000 raise. I mean, that's what? Uh, a one-league min contract. Uh, so you tack on a one-league one min Evans. contract to Jeff Petrie. One Jake Evans, who I, I didn't say anything about that signing, but I really do. I like that signing as well. Uh, yes, obviously, this guy's young. Uh, it's league minimum. Perfect. But yeah, back to Jeff Petrie. I mean, yeah. Yeah, a small raise. Four years. Uh, takes him until he's 37, 38, and then you can let him go, or you sign him to like, now, nah, then you can give him that, that Get him for cheap if he if he still wants to stay if he's kind of falling off uh, and then hopefully not though hopefully you don't need Jeff Petrie in four years but I mean that's the thing four years it's 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 the appropriate term it's the appropriate term and just just happy that Bergevin got him at that at that at that number of years I mean that's the thing you look at a lot of these, you look at the Edmonton contract even just comparing the two Bergevin moves you look at the length of that and you're like oof man the end of that contract even the the current the first year of that contract is gonna be kind of gross but then you look at the end. And you're like, holy crap, that's going to be terrible. But this time around, you know, Jeff Petrie, four years from now, I mean, how bad can he possibly be? Knock on wood, obviously. But really, how bad can this guy possibly be, even if he drops off a lot? Uh, he, even if he drops off a lot, he probably gets back to the same level that he was when he first came to Montreal. And yeah. then we gave him $5.5 million. And so, you know, really, I, I don't see a downside here on either of the fronts, the term or the money. And so... I love the contract. It's just the thing is, you know, you just spent so much money on Edmonton. That that kind of that kind of lurks in my mind because you know it's just bad taste of Edmonton just from a week ago. But just looking at this contract, uh, it's it's a, it's a good one for Bergman. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw this, and I actually don't remember where I saw it from, but I think Jeff Petrie said one of the main reasons that he decided he definitely wanted to stay in Montreal was seeing how well Suzuki and Kakanimi played in the playoffs. So, like, it's not even just about, you know, playoff experience for those players and, you know, proving they can be cornerstones. But then, super important, great players like Jeff Petrie, you you help them decide that they definitely want to stick around. You know, otherwise, maybe he's like, hey, I'll wait till the end of the season. I'll see what other teams are offering me. And it's a totally different story. And now maybe we have to pay him $7 million to keep him. So, Suzuki and Kakanimi already helping out off the ice, too. And uh, we've talked a little bit about, like, you know, going into the season, so many Habs players in contract years. Gallagher, Deno, Tatar, Armia, all set to be UFAs, just like Petrie was. Kotkaniemi also going into a contract year, but he'll be an RFA, of course. And based on the fact that Petrie signed first, uh, it looks like that was Bergevin's priority out of all those players, was to get Jeff Petrie signed. And, I mean, probably appropriate. He probably is the 
most important one to their success, at least in recent years he has been, especially when Shea Weber has gone down. And now looking ahead to Dano and Gallagher and Tatar, um, I'm I'm thinking about what, what these deals are going to look like. I don't know. I'm not sure. And it's going to probably be hard to keep all three of them. And it looks a lot like Tatar is going to be the odd one out, which kind of sucks because he's a lot of fun and I like him. But I mean, out of those three forwards, he's probably the least important one. And I think they're really going to try hard to keep both Dano and Gallagher. I think they might have a hard time convincing Dano because I don't know if you remember that article where he was like, oh, I don't want to be in a third line, just defensive role. I think he still probably is the second line center ahead of Kotkaniemi, at least for now. But I'm worried with Dano that you might have to overpay to keep him on board. Whereas Gallagher, I'm not quite as sure that that's going to happen. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I think out of the four fours that you mentioned, I think uh, Gallagher is definitely the most likely to be kept. And I think second place is honestly Joel, Joel Armia. I can I can see him, you know, getting locked up again for a decent amount because the other two, I have yeah, I have a hard time seeing them coming back. Uh, especially Deno. I don't think Deno's coming back. I don't think he'll after this season. I think he's gone. Uh, you look at those articles, uh, and you look yeah, he just seemed to be unhappy that he was what the third m- most important center in the franchise at this point. But that's what it's going to unfortunately for him. Fortunately for us, uh, you know Suzuki Kakuniyami, and so just. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I see him looking at other places, uh, that other destinations that he could go to, where you know, absolutely, this guy could come plug in and play as a first line center, uh, because you know, lots of teams need a one C, and he'll, ha- I'm sure he'll have a huge market for him, uh, because yeah, this guy finished like sixth in the Southie voting too, you know, uh, that's that's not that's not nothing in terms of you know just like recognition from the league in terms of how good you were, and he'll he'll see that too, and he'll think you know. I'm more than a third line center because, frankly, he is. He's he's quite good, and so yeah, I don't see the uh, you know Dano coming back when it comes to Tatar. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, I agree with you. I like the guy, but I, I don't know. I just don't see him coming back in terms of yeah. I think he's just gonna ask for too much money. You know, I keep going back fucking the cap situation. That was a thing, right? Uh, the Habs have a shit ton of cap space, but then they all they get they got all these guys coming up, and that's why you know that Edmonton contract. I keep coming back to it because I'm still so sour about it. Uh, it just Man, he eats up a chunk of cap space for the next while, and so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you love you love to to have some more money to allocate to these guys because yeah, they're all very likable, and you'd love to see them back for the long term. Uh, you know, obviously team friendly and everything, and that's that's natural to want. But also, you know, you just like the guys and they're good, and yeah. So I, I rank them all. I think Gallagher. I don't see him leaving at all. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I think, I think at this point. He becomes the number one priority after Jeff Petrie has been signed for Mark Bergevin. Uh, and yeah, Joel Armia seems like a guy who, yeah, you just quietly lock him up for a few more years. And I really like Joel Armia. Uh, really good penalty killer, but also just a solid, you know, middle six forward. And, you know, I don't see him any, I don't see any other team offering like top line money or anything like that, top six money. And so, yeah, you quietly lock a guy like that up. Uh, and so, yeah, right now at this point, uh, if I were to rank those four forwards in order of likelihood, uh, it would be Gallagher number one, then Armia, then Tatar, and then yeah, I really don't think Dino's coming back. Uh man, I don't I don't want to lose Dino though because okay, we were talking a couple weeks ago about like the possibility of maybe trading Philip Dano, and it was like oh he might not come back, he might not like it here, 
And there were all, it was also, you know, stuff like, oh, is Burst Fan taking calls on Phil Dano? Oh, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, all the smartest people on my TL basically at the same time were like, ah, trading Philip Dano would be an absolutely terrible idea for Montreal. This is a team that's been complete. Well, for this kind of besides the point, but like we've been complaining about having no centers forever. Now, all of a sudden, we have these two centers, great young centers, but I mean, they've had a great playoff. And, you know, shown promise in the regular season. And now all of a sudden that makes Philip Dano expendable, who's been our best center for the past three years. I don't think so. And, you know, obviously, and they show all the diagrams and stuff too, analytics about how great Dano is defensively. And I mean, I'm just, I don't think they should trade him this off season. Unless you a ridiculous no, I, return, obviously, but like. Yeah, sure. I, I, I never said I was uh, to trade Dano. Uh, I think it's perfectly fine to keep him for the year. And then if, if he wants to walk, let him walk. I it's just I understand, you know, there's you know, you wanna trade him a year early, get some assets back. But the thing is, right, uh you know, Kakuri Yebi Suzuki, uh there we both know they're really they've improved loads over the course of the season, but still young, still kinda unproven. Uh obviously they had some great playoffs, but you know, you wanna see you wanna see them, you know, toughen out that grind as the one two center over the course of a regular season, no matter how long it is it's gonna be this upcoming season. But, you know, you want to see them go through a full season, uh, through the ringer, as the top two centers, and see if they can hold up. And if there are any problems, you can plug in that no. And then, and if and if, if it comes to that, then you can really press him as a priority. Oh, shit. We need to re-sign this guy because maybe we're not so confident in our centers. But that's the thing. I And so, I think this extra year of Dano, this last year of his contract, I think it's valuable in that sense. Because it really was quite a small sample size when it came to, especially Kakaniemi. Because, you know, I went to the AHL, he had a bad season last year until he came up for the playoffs. And so we really want to see, uh, can this guy, you know, hold up over the course of the season? And I think that's why, I think that's why this last year of Dano's contract is valuable. I never called for the guy to be traded. I agree with you. I don't think he should be traded. He's very, he's a valuable part of this team. Mm -hmm. And if it comes to it, absolutely this guy, you can plug him in at 1C. You have no qualms about it because you've seen it for the last three years. Uh, And he's been fantastic in that role. And so, but... But that's the thing, you know, you can only you can only pay so many guys, especially when you lock up Joel Edmondson for four years. But you can only pay so many guys. Uh, and if you if you're set, but that's the thing, you know, like one, two center. The Habs have been complete, you know, like us as a fan base uh, in terms of the dearth of centers. Uh, it's really we've been lacking, you know, a, a top guy and then a guy behind him. Uh, and, you know, haven't really been complaining too hard about, you know, the third center. It's been, you know, the fucking third center position. And, and really, it's a bottom six role. And so but but what's important is having a top center and a second center. And, you know, you know, they're bona fide, you know, top six centers. Uh, and, you know, do we know that Cockney is a bona fide top six, top six, top six center? Not a hundred percent sure yet. That's why I want that extra season. That's why I think it's valuable to keep Dano because Dano is, you know, one C guy. But uh, I just, I just don't think the money's there uh, to, to sign him long-term. If you've already, if you're, if you're, con- if you're committed to Suzuki and Kakaniemi, I don't think the money's there for Dano. That's what it comes to. If if you're kind of wishy-washy on either of the two, then you can find the money to sign Dano. But if not, if you're set, these two guys are clearly the face of the franchise up the middle. Uh, then I I just don't see a sp- I just don't see a spot for Dano. I don't see the ice time. I don't see the one C role. Uh, and I I don't think he will either. And I think he'll walk. That's what it comes to. Yeah, I think it really does come down to Dano's decision in that situation because, I mean, I think Mark Bergman would absolutely love to keep Philip Dano around as the third-line center, but, I mean, if he doesn't want to do that, then Montreal shouldn't just play him in the second-line center just be- role just because that's the only way to keep him around, you know, if Kotkaniemi and Suzuki really are both better than him. Um, but, you know, what would have made it a lot easier to keep Philip Dano around uh, is not signing Joel Edmondson. 
but but alas, what's done is done. Um, you talked about Armia before as someone who's probably sticking around. Uh, I'm not I'm not so sure about that. Like uh, this is a, this is like a third line winger, and I think if you only keep him around if he's taking under market value. Uh, kind of like you could argue Petrie did, obviously not on the same level. But Armia is the kind of player if he's asking for upwards of like three million dollars, uh, go find that somewhere else because we can find someone who produces at a comparable level to you for cheaper than that. Like Armia is kind of expendable. I don't think that should be uh, a priority to have him stick around, especially with hopefully like a Jesse Ilonen can step in, maybe not this coming season, but the one after that, and be a similar style player to Armia right off the bat. Yeah, replacing a fin with a fin, right? And uh, but I mean, yeah, I I I I didn't say priorities in terms of my rankings. I meant likelihood because I don't. That's the thing. I I don't. I'm not convinced that either Tatar or Dano will come back, and that's why I put you know Armia at number two. Am I convinced that Armia is going to be resigned? No, but I think I just think he's more likely at that at this point because yeah, I I don't think they're coming back, and I think that, that that's it. Uh, just because yeah, the money's not there. And the, the 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 you know the desire to stay, especially for Dano, I don't think it's gonna be there. Uh, because yeah, yeah, you're not gonna put yeah, you said it. You're not gonna put this guy in a top six role just because you know you want to keep him. And you know yeah, who wouldn't want? I think any general manager would love to have Philip Dano uh, and to sign him for a deal where he's the third line center. But Philip Dano doesn't want that. Uh, and it's not even like an ambiguous thing. Maybe he he wants to. No, we've seen you know that report. This guy wants to play for center minutes. And I just, I, it's not going to happen in Montreal. I just don't think so. I think Suzuki and Kakuniemi are that good. I think they're going to take this franchise for the next 10 years and run with it, uh, you know, up the middle of that board core. And so, you know, as much as it sucks to say, I mean, yeah, I love Philip Dano in a third center role. Who wouldn't? Any league would love that. Uh, you know, that's just crazy depth. But I just, I, I don't think it's happening. And yeah, it really does come to Dano's decision. I, I think he's made his decision clear when he put that put put out that kind of interview, that kind of report uh, that, you know, this guy's looking for a top six role and it doesn't seem like Montreal is willing to give it to him. Man, I, I'm scared of losing a player like that. Like I could see, I don't know, this may be a little bit pessimistic, but the entire forward group kind of just like falling apart without, you know, someone like a great two-way center like that. Sixth and Selkie voting, holding everything together. But I don't know. I don't know. I might. I don't know if I'd prioritize Dan over Gallagher, but they're at least on the same level, probably for me. Anyway, um, if that's gonna wrap it up for, for that, discussion point, um, the first buyout window opened yesterday, and there was one player bought out, and it's Bobby Ryan, who formerly of the Ottawa Senators and formerly of the Anaheim Ducks as well, though that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, Bobby Ryan had two years left on his deal. At $7.25 million average annual value. We've all known that this contract was outrageous for many years now. Um, but I was kind of surprised the Sens bought him out because, well, as you know, um, this, because there are two years left on this deal, now they're going to have less than $7.25 million against the cap for the next two years. But they will also have that small amount against, relatively small amount against the cap for the two years after that. So they save bunch of cap space for the next two seasons but they lose a bunch a little bit of cap space for the ones after that and for a team like Ottawa who's probably not expecting to be good this year and probably won't be good the year after that either and is also well below the salary floor like wouldn't you like to hold on to this big cap hit and then also if you're planning to you know 
be good after that, then wouldn't that cap space you save afterward by, you know, not having Bobby Ryan anymore, uh, wouldn't that be more valuable at that point? So this just seems like a totally backwards decision for the Ottawa Senators until you realize that it saves Eugene Melnick money in the short term. And basically for Eugene Melnick, that's all the rationale we need. He said he tells Pierre Dorian, we're buying up Bobby Ryan so that I can save a couple million bucks. And Pierre Dorian says, okay, I'll buy out Bobby Ryan and I guess we'll get to the cap floor in some other ways. I mean, yeah, that's what it is, right? That that There's only one reason why you would buy out Bobby Ryan, really. Uh, and it's, I want to save me a few million dollars. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's just this the sad and sorry state of the Ottawa Senators franchise and having Eugene Melnick as an owner. Uh, because yeah, on every other front, I mean, this guy just won the Masterton, man. Like, yeah, that, does, that doesn't really do anything for you on the ice. But like, it's a nice story. And you know, <laughs> who needs a nice story more than the Ottawa Senators at this point? And so, yeah, just they seem to be pretty well liked by the fan base, especially near the end there. Uh, obviously, that contract blows, but it, my philosophy when it comes to bad contracts with only one or two years left that you're maybe contemplating uh, for a buyout is if you really don't need the cash base immediately, just eat it. Just eat it. And, that, and you know, I, it takes me back to when uh, the Habs traded for Yoel Armia. And they got Steve Mason's contract. And then they bought him out. And I thought, you know, the Habs had a ton of cash space that year too. And I was like, why don't you just eat it? Just eat it. Because that's the thing with the NHL. The salary, your salary cap space, it doesn't roll over to the next year. And so, you know, whatever you don't use, you know, it's up in smoke. And, you know, particularly for a team in the Habs. I know this is a bit of a tension, but uh, I mean, there was just so much money there. And I don't understand why they bought out Mason and put that cash, that cap it over two years. But anyways, that's beside the point. Back to uh, Bobby Ryan. Uh, it's just, yeah, why are you... Just eat it for two years. This team is not going to be contending. It's not going to be up at the cap ceiling for the next two years. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this, this, he wants to contend in three, four years. And that's when you'll still have Bobby's con- Bobby uh, Ryan's contract on the books because you bought him out. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's clearly, it's clearly just a money move. Uh, I think it saves him like three million bucks. Uh, so, I mean, good for you, Eugene Melnick. Uh, you, you saved three million bucks. I hope you're happy with yourself uh, because... Yeah, I mean, he's still going to have to spend the money anyways, isn't he? Right? Like, mm-hmm. he, this guy this guy needs to make the cap floor. Uh, and so, uh, I'm not sure if he knows that. Uh, because, I mean, this move certainly doesn't help the, the you know, getting there to the cap floor. Uh, I mean, it's funny you have to say that for a team, you know? Uh, this team's yeah. struggling to get to the cap floor. It's kind of a joke. It, it sucks for the franchise and its fans, for sure. But, uh, I mean, just the move is definite head-scratcher because it really just doesn't make sense. Until you look at the money, obviously. But other than that, uh, even the money, you're not saving that money because you're paying him over more, and then now you got to pay another guy uh, to take a spot. So, yeah, that, that is strange moves from the Sanders. And, yeah, yeah I have their I have the Sens cap friendly page pulled up now just to look at the Bobby Ryan details. Uh, they have a new primary logo, by the way. Uh, it's going to take a bit of getting used to, but I think I like it better than the other one. Anyway, oh, they also said they're not bringing uh, Craig Anderson back, who's been there number one for the past 10 years or so. Not such a surprise, but they're going to have to find someone else unless they plan on going into next season with Anders Nielsen and Marcus Hogberg as their tandem. Anyway, uh, Bobby Ryan, oh, Dion Phaneuf's buyout, which is actually the Kings bottom out, but since the Sens were retaining, they're on the hook too a little bit for $1.354167 million this coming season, and then about 350000 for the two years after that on Phaneuf's deal. Bobby Ryan's buyout, uh, about three and a half million this year, or sorry, this coming the 2021 season, 
then about this, then the same amount the year after that, and then about 1.8 when Bobby Ryan would have been totally off the books. They'll be spending 1.833333 against the cap for two seasons when Ryan already would have been gone. So I think what Melnick's plan is here is to acquire players who you know have a big cap hit but a small salary to pay. Uh, everyone's talking about Frederick Anderson. Don't think he's going to go to Ottawa because, you know, interdivisional, interprovince stuff uh, kind of makes no sense. But anyway, I don't think that would happen. But that kind of contract where he has a $5 million cap hit, but only $1 million in actual salary left for the contract, those kinds of players are definitely who the centers are going to be eyeing. And I mean, in terms of Bobby Ryan, uh, someone's going to get a great player and there's a good chance they'll get them on the cheap. Uh, I know there have been rumors about Montreal wanting to bring back Kovalchuk. I think I also saw Ottawa is going to be interested in bringing Kovalchuk on board. Uh, I'd prefer Bobby Ryan. I'd much prefer Bobby Ryan rather than Kovalchuk, who had a couple great weeks with Montreal, then kind of, you know, tailed off and never really hit stride again. Bobby Ryan, uh, well, he didn't play much this year. He played about 20 games, I want to say. 24 games, 5 goals, 3 assists. So that's like almost a 20-goal pace. Which uh, which is pretty nice. In recently, uh, well, the year before that, forty-two points in seventy-eight games. Uh, he has scored thirty goals before, but it's been a while. That was when he was with the Ducks. But I mean, he's probably good for you know at least fifteen goals. I would expect, expect especially after his uh, you know, after the rehab he went through. Like I, I know, obviously, every situation is very different. But we saw Robin Leonard have a big bounce back after he was healthy. And I mean, maybe a similar situation going with Bobby Ryan because he's not that old. Well, oh, he is. He's like 33 now, but he's. I don't think he's totally washed up. So if you can get Bobby Ryan, if he'll sign like a one 1.5 million dollar deal, I mean, I'm sure a lot of teams would be interested in that. Tampa Bay probably will probably end up there because, of course, he'll end up in Tampa Bay. But that's a player I think pretty much every team should be should be eyeing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one more you need to say. This guy still looks like he has, he still wants to play. He looks motivated and he still look, he looks like he's got some gas in the tank. And so, yeah, in terms of, you know, a guy that you could plug into the bottom six uh, and then chip in offensively, Bobby Bryan seems like a great target. And absolutely, I, I like him more than Kovalchuk in terms of, you know, cheap guys, old guys that the Habs might target. Uh, and, you know, a guy seems like a likable dude, especially with his comeback, winning the Masterson like that. And uh, back to Eugene Melnick. I mean, if that's your priority, really, that's your priority. Finding guys with big capits who have already had most of their salary paid for. I mean, frankly, it's disgraceful. And if, it, if that's your priority, you should just fucking sell the team. You clearly don't have the cash to run it properly. Uh, come on. This is some Bush League shit right now uh, from the Senators. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it seems like this guy just doesn't have the money to run the team. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, you're just looking, scratching for ways to get to the cap floor by paying the least amount of money. It's a complete joke. And yeah, I mean, I know Sens fans have been calling it, for, uh, calling for it. Uh, all these shitty stories coming out, but I think, and and rightfully so. But I th- I think this is like a huge like indicator, red flag. This guy just wants doesn't want to spend the money. To, to own an NHL team. And I mean, yeah, he just doesn't want to spend the money. He's just looking ways to, to be a cheapskate. And it's the NHL people. I mean, I'm sure there's you could find a, an owner, a potential owner, a buyer, who would gladly spend that kind of money. And yeah, his money problems have been in terms of like, yeah, he's one of the poorer, well, poorer in quotation marks, uh, 
one of the less extremely wealthy, uh, you know, billionaire owners out there. But, you know, yeah, he just doesn't want to spend the money. And at that point, what are you doing? Why, why do you even own the team at this point? What are, you, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to accomplish? You think you're going to make a cup? You think you're going to make a deep run in the playoffs? Spending like fucking $40 million a year? Uh, complete joke. Complete joke. There's been any more instant, any more clear indication of the need to the, of this guy to sell the team is right now because he clearly just doesn't want to spend the money. Um, and uh, yeah. I remember, I don't know, something you said in there about Melnick reminded me of after they traded Mark Stone to Vegas for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh. Excuse me, and a second round pick in the February deadline. He had a quote that same day, trade deadline day, that was like, After this trade, I think the Stanley Cup will be coming to Ottawa very soon. And we both thought it was absolutely hilarious, just the wording of that quote. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about the the Patrick Hornquist trade. Yeah, speaking of complete disasters, uh, for yeah, one man. Team, uh, that was that, 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 that one. The, Speaking of disasters involving the two Eastern Conference finalists in 2017. Uh, wow. Just, Woof. All right. Woof. Yeah. Uh, we talked Jim like after the Bukestad trade, like yep. oh, the, there was the Kapanen trade first, which we were like, wow, that's a disaster for Pittsburgh. Then there was the Bukestad trade and we were like, wow, that's kind of a terrible deal also. And now we have this one, which is arguably the worst of all three because you traded uh, a good player, like a good second line winger for an awful defenseman who's making almost $5 million a year for the next six years after this one. And uh, you also had a fourth-line player, Colton Sevier, uh, who I don't know that much about, but I think he's like a, a pretty good fourth-liner. Anyway, so obviously, this deal leaks. I don't remember the day. I think it was Wednesday, I want to say, it leaks. Like uh, Kevin Weeks reports, sounds like Pittsburgh's trading Hornquist to Florida for Matheson. And it doesn't go through for... <clears throat> Sorry, coughing a lot. Doesn't go through for until like the next day because there was stuff with no move clauses that had to be waived or contracts that were insured or weren't insured. Don't know all the details. Anyway, Jim Rutherford had like 24 hours at least to see the public reaction, which was near unanimously. Wow, this is extremely dumb for Pittsburgh and a great deal for Florida. And he decided to go through it, go through with it anyway. Or maybe he was like, "Hmm, why don't you? No one seems to like it. How about you throw in that fourth liner too? Sweeten the pot a little bit for me." It's just a third in a row of disastrous deals for Jim Rutherford. Deliberately, it's seemingly deliberately making the Penguins worse. And one of, one of my favorite quotes from this that came out uh, a Rutherford quote that was like. Someone asked him about how now they've got like four left defensemen. They've got obviously Dumoulin, Marcus Pedersen, Jack Johnson, and Mike Matheson also shoots left. And Jim Rutherford was like, uh, well, we know Mike Matheson's played played the right side a little bit, which is true. He has played the right side a little bit. But we, we also know that he's probably stronger on the left. And we have four left defensemen now and something's got to give. Like, Jim... What, what do you mean something's got to give? You know, you could have just not made that move if you didn't want to have this extra fourth left defenseman. I mean, if your plan is to play him on the right, then okay, that's logical at least. But uh, it was just totally ridiculous. It seemed like he made it by accident. He was like, well, I guess I'll just have to live with it. <laughs> I mean, what is this guy doing? It makes no sense at all. Oh my goodness. Uh, just this guy's on a heater. And this guy's on a heater and it's just a heater of bad trades. We're talking about wash players. This guy's probably a wash general manager at this point. Because I don't, he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, so yeah, this trade Hornquist 
I mean, yeah, maybe teams should do that more often. Just like kind of leak a trade, see what the public reaction is, and then like uh, move forward from there. Because uh, I mean, it seemed like Pittsburgh had it down. They were like, uh, yeah, we're going to make this trade. And then it was like, it's not like for a minute that they're going to pull the psych card. But no, they, they still did it. But, you know, they had a Colton Sevier, uh, hip hip hooray. And so, yeah, you, <laughs> you lose a guy like Hornquist, who's been just, he's been a solid top six winger uh, next to Malkin. Next, he's been able to play with Crosby as well for the last you know, six years now at this point. Uh, and yeah, he's solid. Huh? He's getting up there in age and he's oh, a bit overpaid a $5.3 million, but you know, a solid player. And then you trade him for just flaming trash in Mike Matheson, uh, who, you know, just not a very good defenseman, but the real flaming trash part about Mike Matheson is his contract, which you mentioned six years left, six years left. At $4.875 million. $4.875 million for Mike Matheson uh, is just, it was an atrocity the moment it was signed. And the fact that Florida managed to get out from under that contract is, you know, I mean, is it Bill Zito? I mean, fucking good for Bill Zito. Uh, talking about, is this his first trade? I think he's one for one. We talked about yep. uh, the other guy last last week. Who was it again? Uh, Bill Guerin? Was, oh, oh, Kevin Adams. Her, Kevin Adams. Kevin Adams, one for one. And now we have Bill Zito. One for one, uh, because uh, just uh, whoa, whoa, just completely lopsided. And you know, moving forward for Pittsburgh, I don't understand what they're doing. I really don't understand what they're doing. Are they trying to win a uh, win another cup? Are they trying to make a deep playoff run? Because Patrick Hornquist, Patrick Hornquist, noted guy with a Q in his name. Uh, I mean, he could be a key contributor for you know a cup run. You know who's not going to be Mike Matheson. Who you know probably gonna swap nights in and out with Jack Johnson, you know wrestling for who's gonna who's gonna spend the night in the press box. Uh, you know just eh, I don't get it. I don't get it. You trying to save cap space because you save five hundred grand this year, but not even because Sevier's contract on top of that, you probably lose you lose like seven hundred grand in terms of cap space. Yeah, they do. Uh, and then you and then what? You gotta and then you got the three years on top of that, and so it's just I don't understand. So it's yeah, just. Uh, no matter which way I spin it, is JR trying to win a cup in two years? Is that what's going on? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. And so anyway, I put it, just this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know what to say. Uh, just three awful trades in a row. Just yeah. somebody take the phone away from him. <laughs> somebody take the phone away from him. And, and, and the, the, the rumor on top, the cherry on top of the Sunday, you know what the rumor was in terms of UFAs that they want to sign? Chris, Chris fucking Tadev. They want to sign Chris Tadev this year. And Fuck you know what he said? Five by five. He said he's willing to give him five years. Chris fucking Tadev. Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, somebody, somebody, please, in that Pittsburgh front office, Mario, take the keys away. Take the phone away from your general manager. Fire his ass because Jesus Christ, what a complete train wreck. And uh, I mean, shit's going down in Pittsburgh, man. Shit is going down. You know, if Pittsburgh does sign Chris Tanev, the one pro that I could think of was that is that it would probably push Jack Johnson out of the lineup. So that's nice. But I mean, besides that, it would be absolutely terrible. And I mean, okay, we let's we've talked about this from Pittsburgh's point of view. But you know what I've noticed a trend from Jim Rutherford's transactions he's made over the years is that he loves players with a lot of term left on their contracts, like he did that with. Um, with David Perron, I think, when he was on the Penguins, he traded Perron to Anaheim for Carl Haglin, who I think Perron had one year left on his deal and Haglin had two or something like that. 
And then, like, he did a similar thing when Haglin was in a contract year. He traded Haglin for Tanner Pearson. I think I'm getting that straight. And Tanner Pearson had, like, one extra year more than Haglin did. Then he did the same thing, like, Pearson for Goodbranson. But that didn't really work out for obvious reasons. And now we, we saw the same thing with, like, Brandon Tanev last summer. When Pittsburgh signed Brandon Tanev, too, it was probably uh, maybe save Sergei Bobrovsky, the worst deal signed on July 1st. It was a six-year deal for $3.5 million a year for a fourth-line player, Brandon Tanev. And here's what I imagine going on in Jim Rutherford's brain. Well, we could sign this player uh, for two years, $3.5 million, but why wouldn't we want to hold on to him for the longest we possibly could? Could And he says, how about six years, Brandon Tanev? Absolutely brilliant. And, and um, I know that it wasn't Rutherford who signed Mike Matheson, it was Dale Talon, but I think I showed you this, this the funny tweet from, from when it was signed in October 2017. So at that point, Matheson was going into the last year of his ELC, and he was negotiating the extension with Florida. And as the quote goes from Talon, he was like, well, we were talking about the contract, and we started two years, then we went to four, then we went to six, then, we, then he was like, what about eight? I want to be a Florida Panther. And I mean, I want to be a Florida Panther is probably code for just, I want to sign a ridiculous eight-year contract, even though I'm a third-pairing defenseman. And it worked. And Mike Matheson has one of the worst contracts in the league with six years left on it. And we've talked about this from Pittsburgh's point of view and how terrible it is from them. Let's talk about the Panthers' point of view because this is absolutely brilliant. Not only did you manage to get rid of Mike Matheson, absolutely terrible contract and not such a great player. He was like healthy scratched, I think, a couple times in that, that playing round against the Islanders this year, uh, you were also probably going to lose Hoffman and Dadanov in free agency this year, leaving you with maybe two top six forwards. And now you basically get another one, a good top six forward, Patrick Hornquist, a good second liner. Uh, I mean, basically for free, pretty much. I mean, if you count Madison as negative value, it's better than for free. You add on Patrick Hornquist. I know he's maybe a little bit overpaid, and uh, he's still got three years left on his deal. That's probably not going to look too great at the end of it. But if you have a good player with a deal who's that's not going to look too great by the end of it, and comparing it to uh, Mike Matheson, who's a, not a good player, whose deal already looks terrible now and has six years left, clear win for the Panthers. Fantastic move. And uh, I think maybe, I don't know if you'll put Huberto, Barkov, and Hornquist all together, stack that top line. Uh, but I mean, it's definitely an option. And I think that would be a pretty good first line. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the problem with Florida, right, is is beyond the first line. Uh, it's beyond the top six, and obviously the goaltending. But, like, just this move, uh, you're, you're bolstering that forward core. And really, yeah, Mike Matheson, if I'm in the NHL, that man has negative value. And quite a bit of negative value, if you ask me. Uh, and Patrick Hornquist, no, does not have negative value. Uh, this guy can contribute. Uh, and so, yeah, from Florida's point of view, as I said, Bill Zito, one for one. Uh, congratulations because uh, your first NHL your first NHL trade is a really fucking good one. As you said, it just seems like you're getting this guy for free, uh, but better than free, right? You're you're sending away that terrible contract. Uh, just yeah, uh, just this team. The you know Florida looks like they're going to be heading into some turbulent times, uh, goaltending wise, but also their owner doesn't seem to want to spend too much money this year. Uh, so you know, not great. But it seems like Bozito's making the best of it because, I mean, you're shedding a lot of money in Mike Matheson uh, that your owner then doesn't have to pay. Uh, you get rid of Colton Savior, who is, you know, an all right, eh, a fourth liner, uh, a bit overpaid. And so, yeah, boy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that Mike Matheson contract negotiation 
Yeah, I want to be a Florida Panthers. Where's my eight years? Because uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, um, I, I don't think that's how negotiation works, uh, Dale Talon. Uh, so yep. uh, just, but yeah, from Florida's point of view, uh, just I mean, it's a home run. It's a home run. It's one of those trades. I know I talked about it last week. Uh, you know these kind of one for one trades. I know this is one for two, but it's it's basically one for one. Uh, they're so easy to evaluate. Uh, you know, in terms of content, because it's just you look at the players. Who's better? Who's better? One clearly, one one is clearly better. Okay, this team won the trade, right? Uh, and it was like that for the Eric Stahl trade, and it's it's so clearly that for this trade, and it's even more of a disparity in terms of quality of player because one uh, is a decent top six forward who still looks like he's got some you know some some stuff to, some scoring to give, and the other is a fucking atrocious contract, one of the worst in the league for a defenseman who doesn't contribute much at all as part of your bottom pair. And you know if you're trying to win a cup, hopefully you're seventh defenseman or even eighth defenseman, uh, and you're paying four point eight million dollars for that guy. And so really the the scales are tipped so far in Florida's favor at this point that I just don't under yeah it just <laughs> I don't understand how. Pittsburgh could agree to this. Like, did he think he was getting a different player? I don't understand. I don't even know who you're, you could mistake him for. Like, did he think he was getting the rights to Mike Kaufman um, so that he could save some cash space? I don't understand. I just, I don't get it. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's so far in Zita's favor. Maybe his sister, Emily Madison, who's one of the best women's <laughs> hockey players in the world. That's probably who you thought he was getting. Yeah. It would definitely probably. be a better trade than this. Oh, 100%. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. Just... Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I don't understand what's going through his mind, and it's not gonna. It's not good. It's not good for Pittsburgh. Yeah, he needs. They need to get rid of Jim Rutherford fast because he's he's completely taking apart that team. This team has no shot. The way he's taking it, he has no shot of making a deep run into the playoffs to win another cup with Crosby. Obviously, you can't completely count them out because you know Crosby Malkin, but taking them in the wrong direction and fast. Yep, this is uh this trade is another exhibit in why I think fans tend to overreact to no trade clause and no movement clauses because if a GM tells a player with one of those clauses, uh, we want to trade you, we don't want you on our team anymore, that player will nine times out of ten say, All right, I guess I'll go. And we saw that in the Hornquist quote, because he had, I think, a full no trade, and he got the call like, Oh, we have a deal in place to send you to Florida. Do you want to waive your clause? And he was like, uh, well, I guess if you don't want me anymore, if Florida does, then I'll just go to Florida. So I find maybe it could actually be, I don't know, an interesting thing for a GM to be like, hey, we'll shave a little bit off your cap your cap hit and we'll give you this, this no trade clause in exchange for that, knowing that if they want to trade the player, then the player is almost definitely going to say, all right, fine, I'll go. Yeah, I mean, as as shitty as it is, you can absolutely drive a player to leave town. Uh, and yeah, you, that Hornquist quote, he, he he made it clear he was completely blindsided by this trade. And I think honestly, everybody was uh, didn't expect him to be traded, but yeah, he was too. Uh, and so yeah, it didn't seem like this guy was on his way out. But then he gets the call, and yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're just a guy, you don't want to be, you're not wanted anymore. That's the message that's being sent. And so and yeah, that he he expressed that. He said Pittsburgh didn't want him anymore, and Florida seemed to really want him. Uh, and also, no state tax, mind you. But also, Florida, the organization, seemed to really uh, want him there. And so, you know, I mean, it's no surprise. It's no surprise. It's just uh, kind of like human nature, if you will. Just, uh, yeah, you, you'll go where you're wanted. And Florida wanted him. Pittsburgh won't. And yeah, so the no trade clause, it doesn't really seem to make a difference. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think, I mean... But that's the thing, right? It's like, I don't think this guy would accept a trade to Buffalo. I understand that Florida is a bad franchise, <laughs> but like Buffalo or Ottawa. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, there's some leverage there. But 
but yeah, I think I think you're right on the on, on the front of no trade clauses. Uh, maybe a bit over hyped uh, in terms of like, oh, this is gonna tank the team. Um, may, well, the one exception I would say is the no move clause when it comes to expansion drafts, because then you gotta like protect like dog shit players they don't want to protect over like young exciting players. But other than that, I agree with you. Yeah, well, players actually do have the ability to waive their no move for the expansion draft, and I think a lot of players actually did that knowing that there was an extremely small chance that they would get picked because they had a bad contract or something. I can't think of any specific examples, but I'm pretty sure it happened. Except actually Dion Phaneuf, uh, when he was with he was with the Sens and he had a no move, and they asked him to waive it so that they could protect the three of Eric Carlson, Mark Mathot, and Cody Cece, who rounded out their top four at the time. But Phaneuf said, uh, no, I don't want to take that chance. I'm going to not waive my claws. And so the Senators said, all right, there's nothing we can do. We'll protect you and Carlson and Cece. And they lost Mark Mathot, which, uh, I mean, in hindsight, probably shouldn't have protected Cody Cece to begin with. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, well, imagine. Wow, because Vegas definitely would have taken Cody Cece. And then Ottawa wouldn't be stuck with the Zaitsev contract. Wow. Anyway, bit of a tangent. Um, where was I going with that? I don't remember. Anyway, there's a little piece of news that I wanted to mention. Anyway, uh, the Red Wings extend Sam Gagne, who they acquired as part of, as like a cap dump in the Athens EU trade to Edmonton, and they extended him a one-year, eight hundred fifty thousand dollar deal, which is uh, pretty good for someone who I think is fair to say is at least an NHL player. And the Red Wings do have to get some bodies on the ice. And obviously, that's pretty cheap. And for whatever reason, the Red Wings also uh, haven't had many right shot forwards in a while. Like, I think Glenn Denning and Sam Gagne were the only two right shot forwards on their roster this past season. So, uh, little nice piece of nice piece of business there from Steve Eiserman. And uh, in terms of the Hornquist trade, I guess maybe to close that out. Uh, obviously terrible for Rutherford and the Penguins. Bill Zito, good for you, but honestly, it's hard to tell how much of this was actually your doing, or if Jim Rutherford called you up like, please give us Michael Matheson, we really want Michael Matheson. <laughs> yeah, and for Detroit, I mean, yeah, they're just getting bodies on the ice, aren't they? Uh, I mean, decent deal for Gagne, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just Eisenman is trying to get people to play for them at this point. Uh, I mean, you look at their cap-friendly page, <laughs> it's 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 really kind of funny. I mean, uh, next season, not this coming up season, but the, the season after that, they got five guys under contract, and the year after that, they got two guys under contract. And so, you know, uh, not many long term commitment commitments in that organization. I guess that's Eisenman's vision. He just wants to, you know, he's really there. That team is in full fucking rebuild mode. Uh, Sam Gagne for eight hundred fifty thousand is a very rebuild team contract. Well, you know, it's a contract for anybody. But, you know, it, it kind of fits on that rebuilding team. And, uh, yeah, for, for the Pittsburgh trade, we're back again. It's just, uh, it's, it's. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what more to add. I've done my piece. Uh, just, just somebody take the phone away from Jim Rutherford. That's, I, I mean, yeah, that's just, it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, and, yeah, there's really not much to add in terms of that. Just, he just doesn't know what he's, he's just making bad trades left and right. And if I'm wrong, where's your Fucking call the guy. Call the guy right now. Call the guy right now. I was right just going to say. Uh, like. Yeah, like, you know, like, 1-800-267-2001. That's a law enforcement, but make Jim Rutherford your second fucking hotline because let's go. Get get a trade done with this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, So, uh, yeah, about Mark Bergevin, the one one thing, one guy I'm calling every fucking day. As I wake up, I get out of bed, I call Jim Rutherford. Uh, I eat my dinner, I call Jim Rutherford again because uh, he's primed for another bad trade, and I want the next one to be with the Habs. Let's go. Yeah, how much do you think Rutherford would give for Joel Edmondson? 
Probably his next first round pick. Not this one because he gave it up next year. Um, next next and one's he probably gone gives too. Sidney Crosby too. Oh, next okay. one's gone too so from the Zucker he, trade. Okay, next logical step is Sidney Crosby, obviously. I mean, yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's one guy who would, would happily take, uh, you know, Joel, Joel Edmondson, get like a sixth left, sixth third pairing left defenseman or whatever the hell he has right now. Uh, yeah, probably, probably Jim Rutherford. Uh, yeah. Well, since I guess since Jim Rutherford doesn't care about picks and prospects, maybe we can get Samuel Poulain for Yoel Armia or something. That'd be pretty ridiculous. Anyway, not holding my breath. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the some of the major awards, the winners and the the winners were announced a couple nights ago on Game One or Game Two, the Stanley Cup Final. I don't remember, but they were announced. Drysaddle wins the heart. Kind of ridiculous in my opinion, but uh, what what are you gonna do? Uh, with the Norris, Yossi won the Norris. I think that was the right pick. Uh, Hellebuck won the Vesna. Not a surprise at all. What am I missing? The Calder, Makar won. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, what else was there? I feel like there were five. Uh, but whatever. Those were the those are the big four, I suppose. Uh, some people were surprised Makar won the Calder. I was a little surprised. I was expecting Hughes to win because it seemed a lot of people preferred Hughes. Uh, to be honest, I maybe leaned ever so slightly towards Kill Makar. But I mean, obviously, neither would have been a bad decision. Uh, what What are your thoughts about any of any of those awards? Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, Norris Vesna, just nothing really much to say. Got the right pick. Good for them. Uh, the Calder with Makar. Uh, I mean, sure. I sure. Uh, yeah. I, I thought Hughes would win just based on he really seemed to have some uh, the, that Calder hype, that momentum heading into the vote. Uh, but. I mean, you look at the the, the numbers, the tallies. Uh, it really seemed like the voters like firmly preferred Makar over Hughes. And sure, sure, I guess that's just how the vote played out. And I really don't have many problems with it. They were just both so good. Uh, and finally, heart slash Ted Lindsay, uh, Leon Drysdale takes it. Uh, completely absurd. And this this trophy's been broken for a while, and it's just like it's broken for so many different reasons. Like every year, it's like they come up with a new way to like screw up the definition. And you know, I was like, okay, this time, like certain years, you got to make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, you're disqualified. And I guess kind of that that kind of applied this year too. But also, uh, now the reason is you scored this many points, and so you can have it. You scored the most points, you can have it. And that's not how it fucking works, people. Um, there's a trophy for that. It's called the Art Ross, and that's what you get for scoring the most points. Uh, I'm not taking away the accomplishment that Drysdale had. It absolutely helps your case. If you score the most points, a hundred percent. But frankly, I mean, uh, it's not the most valuable player. Uh, there are what three guys that I would have taken. Who knows? Maybe even four uh, over Drysaddle. I mean, you're talking about Hellebuck. You're talking about McKinnon. Heck, Panarin even, uh, and maybe even McDavid. I would take him over because he's just that good. And fuck, uh, I, I won't miss an opportunity to credit Connor McDavid for being the best player in the world. And so, uh, yeah, just question marks all around on that one uh, because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't think he was. I didn't think it was a deserving winner. I, he had a great season. I'm not taking that away from him, but I didn't think he was the most valuable player in the NHL. Yeah, I think if it were up to me, I'd probably. Well, first of all, uh, McKinnon or Hellebuck would have gotten the Hart Trophy. Hellebuck finished sixth, which is absolutely ridiculous. When he wasn't one of the finalists, I was like, okay, okay, I think he's fourth. He was sixth in Hart voting behind the finalists: Drysaddle, McKinnon, Panarin, and I think the next ones. Were I don't remember. Was it like Pasternak and McDavid or something? I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. not the point I was going to talk about. Uh, I would abolish the Hart Trophy, and I would replace it with 
a best forward trophy. You have a best goalie, a best defenseman, get a best forward trophy to go along with it, and then have a best player trophy. Maybe just change the definition of the heart to make it best player in the NHL trophy. It's much simpler, and it's much easier to, to get a gauge on than this ambiguous most valuable player definition. Because you could even interpret most valuable to mean best, because there are just so many different ways people can interpret those words in their heads and that's one of the reasons why it's so confusing and it feels like the criteria changes from year to year anyway that's one qualm with with that award i want to shout out nick suzuki didn't finish very high in calder voting he finished ninth which i was a little upset about but then like i mean you look at the players that finished ahead of him nothing too outrageous there adam fox finished fourth very nice i think Merzlikens was five then there was like john marino mackenzie blackwood Victor Olofsson were like the top eight. and But because there were four defensemen and two goalies ahead of Suzuki in the voting, Nick Suzuki actually did make the uh, the all-rookie team, which is nice. First have to do that since Gallagher. Uh, P.K. Subban did that also in his rookie year. Carey Price did too. So Nick Suzuki uh, in, in some, some pretty good company company right now. I think the Habs made a tweet like, oh, he's in good company. And with like all the Habs who've ever been on the, the all-rookie team. So that's pretty nice to see for him. I think also actually... I don't remember who, but someone put Adam Fox as a forward on their all-rookie team just because, I mean, it is he definitely does deserve to be on the all-rookie team more than uh, every forward pretty much except maybe Kubelik. But you can't find room for him with Hughes and Makar as the two defensemen. So someone put Fox as a forward, and that apparently nullified. I don't know if it nullified their entire all-rookie team or their entire ballot. I don't think it was the entire ballot because that would have been ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so also, like I wanted to mention, so now that all the ballots are open to the public, uh, we saw that somebody gave Essel Lindell a, a third place vote for the Norris Trophy, third best defenseman on the Dallas Stars. I guess so. Third best in the NHL. No, thank you. Uh, Drew Doughty also got a fifth place Norris Trophy. Absolutely ridiculous. Someone's still living in 2014. Um, what other weird votes were there? I think like, uh, oh, Tony Tristan D'Angelo. Jari got like, hmm, who? Oh yes, Tony, Tony D'Angelo got it. Got got a couple like there. fourth or fifth place Norris votes. Ridiculous. Um, Tristan Jari, I think, got like a fifth place Hart Trophy vote, uh, which is <laughs> peculiar, I guess you could say, considering he's on the same team as Crosby and Malkin. Uh, and I, I guess, I know Crosby got like some Hart votes as he pretty much always does. I don't remember if Malkin did. Uh, he probably did. It was just a, no, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, Tristan Jari got a vote. Uh, there were a bunch of other ones that people were like, huh, really? You, sh- you sure about that? But Essel Lindell was the, and Drew Doughty were the big ones that really stuck out to a lot of people, especially Lindell. Jesus Christ. Like the thing with voting, right? Uh, like I don't have a problem with, you know, going off the board, but you have to be able to fucking defend it, right? Like if uh-huh. we ask you, why did you pick this player? You got to have some points. This is why this is the, whatever, third, fourth, fifth best defenseman forward player in the NHL. And this is why they were better than everybody else. Uh, and like just some of these, it's just what are you watching? You're not you, well. No, the answer is nothing. Clearly, they're not watching much because Jesus Christ! I mean, Essa Lindell, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, like, yeah, you said it. Like, fucking the third best defenseman of the stars. What is he doing? Third best defense? Like, did, did, did okay? Did the Dallas writer mistakenly like swap? his all-Dallas team and his all-NHL <laughs> team because, I mean, I'm convinced that's what's going on because I don't understand how you even watch a Stars game, let alone any other team in the league, and say, yes, Essa Lindell is the third-best defenseman uh, in the league and the best defenseman on the ice against any team 
just within his own organization. <laughs> Not the best defenseman. And so Essel and Dell is it's just it's so funny. It's, I think it's the funniest one out of the bunch. There's a bunch of crazy ones and a bunch of stupid ones. But I think Essel and Dell is the funniest because not only was it like a fifth, he got a third place vote. Somebody somebody thought he was the third best defenseman in the NHL. And uh it, it's just it's it's hilarious to me. And 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 yeah, and like somebody take away their votes. Because that's the thing, yeah, you can vote for off the board, as I said. But yeah, gotta justify. And I don't understand what's the justification. For Essa Lindell, I don't understand. What are you trying to like? Is your no? Is your only criteria like fucking block shots and like, I I don't know. Like, what does this guy even do? Um. So uh, yeah, just it's it's jokes. And I really, yeah, I, I really enjoy the transparency of the the voting. It used to be like super behind closed doors. You get a bunch of point totals and that's it. But yeah, we get to see who voted what. And uh and yeah and and I think it's good. Not only is it like entertaining. But, you know, you want some accountability from these guys and you want them to take it seriously because, you know, it's the, it's the major awards, people. And so, uh, yeah, it's clear that this guy didn't. And so maybe he needs to review his process a little bit. Uh, Essa Lindell, definitely the vote of the award ceremony, if you ask me, because, woo! Yeah, wow. everyone, uh, yeah, taking it seriously, uh, just like those two people who accidentally left Nathan McKinnon off their heart ballots. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember who the two people were, but... But someone asked the two people, like, um, why'd you leave McKinnon off? And one of them responded, like, oops, just an honest mistake. Uh, I should have put McKinnon on my ballot. He would have been there if I had, I don't know, not forgotten to put him on. Which is ridiculous that this is your job. You for, just forget. I just forgot about, about you know, I just forgot about Nathan McKinnon when I was doing my awards voting. Like, you don't even double check. Like, okay, you type through one time as like a draft. and But like, I don't know, wait a week or so maybe. And see if you think of anyone. Did you forget anyone? Maybe on the Colorado Avalanche wearing number twenty nine for I don't know the hard trophy. Did you did you think? I don't know. Just amazing that you would just say, "Oops, forgot." And I was listening to Puck Soup and Greg Wyshynski, who has votes for these awards, says you just you have to type in all the players' names, and that can be a help. And that it should probably be changed to like a drop down screen or something in the future to you know avoid people just forgetting. But on the other hand, it makes it a lot quicker to just be like oh who should i pick oh this one this one this one so maybe it does actually make you put more thought into it when you actually have to type out all the players names but then you got situations like this where someone just forgets to put nathan mckinnon in which is i i it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous especially when you're online all the time i assume if you're like a writer or talking to people who love hockey all the time and you're talking about awards who are you gonna vote for or i'm voting for mckinnon oh mckinnon shit i forgot to put him on my ballot let me go add him in as my i don't know second place winner or whatever it's i don't understand and i think like i don't think it should be like your votes are removed now that you forgot about mckinnon but maybe like maybe like a one-year suspension like take a year off sit in timeout think about what you've done and then come back next year when you're ready to to not forget about nathan mckinnon think about what you've done what the fuck do these people do with their time if you forget nathan what do you what is your job people uh <laughs> how can you forget nathan mckinnon come on come on I mean, that's just, that's just stupid, right? Like, like, seriously, like, it's one thing if I forget Nathan McKinnon, because I'm just some scrub podcaster, but like, when that's what you do for your life, like, that's what, that's your living, uh, covering the NHL, you forget Nathan McKinnon, come on, give me a vote, give, I will, I promise I won't forget Nathan McKinnon in my heart. I want to vote on these wars, that'd be so fun. Yeah, come on now. Uh, and meanwhile, you got these clowns uh, voting Essa Lindell and Nathan McKinnon. So I'll take the Lindell ballot 
and you can take whoever voted from whoever voted uh, or forgot to vote for McKinnon, and then th- those should be our two votes because I think we we do a hell of a lot better job than these two clowns. Because uh, uh, you know, yeah, what the hell? Maybe it's the same person. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> Jesus, just just oof oof. That's rough. That's rough, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, are you ready to move on? To this week's prospect profile, which might be like our second to last one yep, of go. the year. All right. So, uh, similarly to last week, when we discussed Jean-Luc Foudy and Ronnie Irvinen, uh, we're talking about more players who who Montreal may be looking at with their second round picks at 47 and 48th overall. But uh, unlike Foudy and Irvinen, uh, I'd be pretty, I'd be a little surprised if both these guys were still available by the time it got to Montreal's second rounders, we're talking about two defensemen, Lucas Cormier and Toppy Niemela or Niemela, uh, another difficult to pronounce Finnish player, similarly to Ronnie Irvinen. No, Toppy Niemela, not difficult, just we don't know. Uh, Cormier, 49th on Bob's list. Based on that, we'd think it uh, it may be likely that he ends up in Montreal's picking zone. Toppy Nimala, on the other hand, is 38th on Bob's list, so a little bit less likely. Cormier is a left shot, a left defenseman. March 27th, 2002, he was born in St. Marie de Kent, New Brunswick, and he's on the smaller side. He's 5'10, 180 pounds. Uh, Toppy Nimala, on the other hand, uh, we've got a right shot defenseman, so maybe a little bit more needed in Montreal's pipeline, and I'm sure they're not the only ones. Born two days before Lucas Cormier, March 25, 2002, born in Oulu, Finland, and is a little bit bigger than Cormier. He's six feet tall and 163 pounds, so on the lighter side. A little bit more background information. Cormier played in the QMJHL this past season with the Charlottetown Islanders and put up pretty good numbers. I think this was his sophomore season in the Q. He was Kind of almost a point a game. Six goals, 30 assists for 36 points in 44 games. Nimala, on the other hand, uh, just like Irvinen, played in the Liga, the men's league in Finland, the top tier in Finland. He played with Karpat, and he had a goal and six assists for seven points in 43 games. And also, um, he's played three games so far in this preseason for the 2021 season in the under-20 Finnish league, because he's under-20, and he's got three points in three games. So he seems to... Uh, I know it's a small sample size, but he seems to be pretty good playing against his own peers in terms of age. Yeah, and so okay, so I guess we're gonna we're gonna start with Nemo since we've had it in there. Uh, and you know, frankly, before I get into this, okay, you know, I'll just launch into his skill set. So this guy, uh, he's just pretty solid all around. Uh, he's just he's good defensively. Uh, but you know, and he's he's yeah, defensive. He's more of a defensive-minded guy, and. So I would say, and, he, and yeah, he's played in the men's league, and so he's got the experience there, and yeah, and, and he, he held up, he held up, and he wasn't expected to play in the men's league last year, but he made the team uh, as a carpet, so, uh, and that's a pretty high-caliber finish team, apparently, and so, yeah, good for him, and so, yeah, that's, uh, he was inconsistent, though, and that was, like, one of the red flags with him, you know, just, you know, with the puck, uh, making decisions with the puck and all that, and uh yeah, and I think that might be, that's to be expected of a guy who was like 17, 18, playing in a men's league. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I'm not so high on this guy. I think he's one of those guys where it's like the floor is high, but like what is this guy going to turn into uh, in the, in if he makes the jump to the NHL? I mean, like he just seems like uh, a bottom six, a bottom four guy in the NHL who doesn't make much of an impact. And yeah. Toppy Nimala, 
for a name like that, who I gotta say, pretty spicy name. Kind of disappointed when I when I took a closer look for closer look into him. Hmm. Uh. Well. Okay. To be honest, I've been kind of busy this week. Actually, I told you this, but I actually went into my school to take a test. Uh. Was, you know, masks and distancing, of course. But uh, my notes are a little less extensive on these players than in the past. So forgive me if I don't have full information laid out. But I do feel kind of the same way about you. Uh. With Nimala. But um, I think I like him a little more than you because I think I mean. He does have some offensive tools that maybe don't shine through as much when you're playing in that men's league as a teenager. And I mean, scouts, I think this is one of the reasons why he's ranked uh, where he is on Bob's list, 38. So that's kind of like maybe even late first round territory. I would not take him there, but maybe, maybe someone will, or at least early in the second round. And because the reason for that is, I mean, teenager playing in a men's league, a lot of games. And like just those two pieces of information, scouts will swoon over that. The fact that he played in the league for for 43 games and managed to hold his own decently well. And so that's why I think people like Toppy Nimala. And I think as a second round pick, a guy who has a good chance to turn into like a second pair defenseman, I think that's okay value. But Lucas Cormier, I prefer. And I get the sense you do as well. Even though he is a left shot, Montreal has a lot of those in the system. Uh, that's not something that we should be too worried about. Left versus right shot, especially you know at that point in the draft when it's still relatively early. Uh, because this guy, I mean, we talked about great skaters, but Cormier, that's a strength of his as well. He's got a great shot too, as pointed out. Good in transition, extremely important, especially nowadays. Basically, I think this is a high ceiling, low floor kind of player. Uh, and I think one of the reasons he is ranked 49th, he's ranked that low, is the size bias. He's short. He's five foot ten, and we talk. I feel like every week we're talking about these players with the um, you know, that a little shorter, and that's why they're ranked lower. We talked about that with Irvinen, who's ranked I think 54. Cormier, I think, is the same thing because he's got tons of great offensive tools, and I mean, he's still got room to go grow defensively, but he's he's capable of it. And we talked about like uh, how that's relatively easy to coach and it's much harder to coach those offensive tools and skills that Cormier has one reservation though about him that I have and those pretty good uh, point totals in the QMJHL is that a lot of that production comes on the power play and at even strength maybe he isn't quite as effective and I mean obviously being good on the power play is a very good asset but when you compare it to you know someone like um who was that we profile? I think Seth Jarvis. I know Seth Jarvis is a forward, but someone like that who's got a ton of points and most of them were at even strength. They're like, wow, you're able to produce that much at even strength. And that you should probably be a top 15 in that case. And Cormier, I mean, if he's not as capable at, at even strength, like, I don't know, maybe that's one of the reasons why he's, you know, we should be maybe a little bit of a red flag. Not not quite a red, an orange flag, we'll say. Coloring all these flags as of late. A light orange flag for Lucas Cormier. I mean, you know, you'll you love to look at production in these leagues, and they give a solid indication. But you know, when you're evaluating prospects, you know, production isn't everything. I think it might be a bit overvalued. Uh, it's important, but you know, what's very important is you look at the guy and the skills that he he brings. And I think Lucas Corbier, he's got the offensive weapons. Uh, and so yeah, we, I've talked a ton about when you're drafting a good. I, my favorite philosophy personally is you swing for the fences, get the guy kind of guys that you can't get in free agency. Because they just don't come around in free agency often because, you know, teams resign them because they're just that good. And Lucas Cormier has that high ceiling, you know. Um, 
and yeah, lower floor than Topi Nimala. I mean, Topi Nimala, yeah. That, the, the, the thing that, you know, these scouts swoon over, okay, uh, he plays in the men's league and he held up and all that. That doesn't tell me that this guy has a high ceiling. It tells me this guy has a very high floor. And that's an asset, but it's not the asset I'm looking for when I'm drafting. Or the asset I'm looking for are those elite skills. Are those Is that high ceiling? And, you know, that's why I'm, I don't like Nimala that much, uh, you know, compared to, you know, uh, for example, even Bob's list, having him at 38. But I really do like Lucas Corbier because, yeah, this, he's, got a, he's got a great shot. He's, yeah, as you said, a transition, right? And we talked about last week, uh, the new age NHL is all about transitioning. You know, zone entry, zone exit, you got to have control and all that. And, I mean, that's one of his fortes. And, yeah, he's just... It seems like this guy has the potential, the quarterback, you know, as part of his ceiling, he could quarterback a, a power play. And you talked about he has a bunch of power play points. He shows he can can be that guy. Uh, and yes, there's a lot of development to go, both defensively, but also, you know, you, you have these raw offensive talent, this raw offensive talent. You still have to develop it to get to an NHL level. Uh, and so, yeah, bit of a project, but the raw skill is there. You can't teach that, right? The offensive weapons. Uh, and, you know, he's got agility and all that. And so, yeah, I just, I, I don't understand when you look at these two players why one is 49th and the other is 38th and it's in that order. Uh, I, I think Cormier is a better prospect than Nimala. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think there's a size bias. Uh, and I think, I think, I think floor might be a bit overrated in the NHL when it comes to prospect evaluation because yeah you talk about you see a guy playing in a men's league and he gets boosted rightfully so this guy is a higher floor but you also have to look at the ceiling and the ceiling on Nimala is I think it's limited uh because yeah I talked about it this guy you know he has potential to be a solid you know second pairing guy but you can you can you can go and get a second pairing guy uh, on the market I mean you might pay more you will pay more but you can get a guy uh, a guy like Cormier if he really pans out in the NHL I mean, uh, power play quarterback, that guy's going to cost you a shit ton uh, if mm-hmm. you try to dip into free agency for that. And so if you can develop him right, and obviously that's a big if, but if you're confident, and that's the thing with, with these kind of drafts, I say you, if you, you should have an organization where you're confident in the development of prospects. And if you are, then uh, I think Cormier is the guy to go. And if the Habs do draft him, huh? I'd be a fan. I'd, I'd be a pretty big fan. And yeah, you talk about left shooting defensemen. The pipeline's pretty loaded, but... Can't be too loaded. Uh, at worst, you know, you trade them away because there are too many guys up, up ahead of him and you get a bunch of good, good assets back. And so, yeah, Lucas Cormier, I think, would be a pretty great pick uh, with the half second. Yeah, uh, I think one of the reasons maybe why Cormier is 49 is because he seems like the kind of player who'd be polarizing and some scouts would have him ranked like 70 and others would love his tools and his skills and have him ranked maybe in the late first round and it kind of balances out to about 49th overall. And because of that, I if I had to guess, I don't think either of these guys will still be there when Montreal's picking. Nimala, you know, ranked 38. That's about 10 slots before Montreal is picking and someone's going to to like that that quote unquote safe pick, and Cormier. Uh, I think that there's definitely going to be a team who's going to like us, love the ceiling and love the tools, and take a flyer on him uh, in the early second round or maybe even late first. Wouldn't be such a surprise. Uh, someone's going to to like him very much. I think maybe the Sharks would be a good good fit for him, and they have well, uh, assuming Tampa wins the Stanley Cup, they'll be picking 31 because of the Barkley Gaudreau trade. And they'll also have the 34th pick, which is their own. So they'll have two picks in close succession. And maybe they'll have an eye on someone like Lucas Cormier there. Uh, But, I mean, 
I wouldn't. I would like. I would like Foodie probably out of the four we've profiled recently. Foodie would probably be my favorite one out of these four, followed by Irvinen, followed by Cormier, followed by Nimala. I think that'd be my list. Maybe actually maybe Cormier over Irvinen, but uh, but that that I think that's where I stand on those guys. Uh, I agree with the second iteration of, the, of your list there. Uh, out of those four defensemen, I would take Foodie, then Cormier, then Irvinen, then Nimala. I Not four yeah, defensemen, as I said, but... I'm what. Not four defensemen, but four players. Oh, whoop. Four players. My apologies. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just I'm a fan of the high ceiling. And that's it. I think that if I was a general manager, that would be my priority heading into these drafts. Swing for the fences. Because if you do hit, you'll have a franchise player. Uh, if you miss, well, you know, most players miss. And uh, when it comes to low, low, you know, low ceiling players, you hit, you got a guy. Uh, you miss, most players miss. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's, and that, that's about my verdict on Lucas Cormier and Topi Nimala. I really do like Cormier and Nimala for me. Eh, it's all right. It's all right. It's a solid prospect. Okay. Anything you want to add before uh, we head on to our guests uh, who of the week? Well, next week, um, we uh, we might do like a mock draft or something. Because the draft is only like 10 days away. It's really sneaking up on us. And I haven't actually told you this part yet. But I there are two more players I really want to profile. And those are two guys who, according to Bob's list, are in Montreal's range in the first round, but who I'm a little more wary of picking. Those are Dylan Holloway and Hendrix Lapierre. So we might be talking about those two guys a little bit uh, next week and in our, I guess, kind of draft preview show. So I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll decide. We'll discuss. Uh, but I'm very excited for the draft, especially Montreal's got 11 picks as it stands right now. Uh, and that is a a lot of draft picks so excited to see it's going to be a very important day and obviously you know the top of the draft is always exciting and now there's intrigue at number two this this year also byfield or stutzla uh still kind of a mystery who la's leaning towards so uh, a lot of things to watch very excited for the draft but we'll get into that next week and now it is time for guess who this is our sixth game of guess who i'm pretty sure uh we are still tied one, one, and three, each of us are. And just like we said last week, we are doing the Dallas Stars this week, who have 31 players in the bubble with them. Uh, as I guess kind of a, you know, they're in the Stanley Cup final. And also, you know, we said they won the Western Conference final, so we'll be doing them. And the 31 players are Gavin Bayreuther, Jamie Benn, Ben Bishop, Landon Bowe, Nicholas Kamenow, who actually, on Hockey Reference, I sent this to you, the, pr- the pronunciation guy said, Nicholas Kamano. So I guess Nicholas Commando then. Uh, Andrew Cogliano, Blake Como, Ty Delandria, Jason Dickinson, Justin Dowling, Radic Faxa, Taylor Fordun, Dennis Gurianov, Joel Hanley, Thomas Harley, Miro Haskinen, Rupi Hintz, Matthias Yanmark, Stephen Johns, Anton Hudobin, Joel Kivirenta, John Klingberg, Esselin, Dell, third best defenseman, Jake Gottinger, Jamie Alexiak, Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, Alexander Radulov, Jason Robertson, Tyler Sagan, and Andre Sakara. All right. Awesome. Okay. Let's get her going. Uh, I'm ready to. I'm ready to take this one. I'm ready to take this sixth round. Uh, we're in a marathon boxing match at this point. Uh, nobody's able to 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 cross that barrier into winning a round. This is it. I can feel it. Uh, I have some extra columns on my spreadsheet today to spice it up. Uh, Stanley Cup final style. So, uh, all right, let's. All right. Let's what are your new columns? You were gonna tell me. Okay. So my new columns today. Um. So yeah, this time around, we went. Uh, contract conditions. So I have all the players who have a no movement clause or a modified no trade clause in my column. I have shot percentage, like shooting percentage, and I have power play goals, 
power play assists, and power play points. Let's go. That's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I, on the other hand, removed uh, a column. I removed the trade history column because I want I want to see if like maybe I'll be a little more focused with with not as many you know things on my spreadsheet around everywhere. So we'll see which strategy ends up reigning supreme, or maybe we'll just have a fourth consecutive tie. Anyway, are you ready to randomize? Let's go. Uh, okay, ready to rumble. All right, I got my guy. Okay, I got my player also. I'm going to mute incoming audio, and you'll say who your player is in three, two, one. Okay, I got John Klingberg. I'm back. All right, I'm muting in uh, three, two, one. My player is Gavin Bayreuther. Okay, coming back right now. All right, all right. You're good to go. Okay, here we go. All right, so what? Who will start? Who's kicking off? Who will receive? Uh, I think I started last week, so why don't you start this week? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Okay. So, here we go. Hmm. Which column should I start? Should I start with one of my newer ones? I think so. Uh, all right, let's go. Does your player, did your player, have a power play point this regular season? Uh, let me just pull up the hockey reference page because I want to make sure. Um, is it on hockey reference, that stat? Uh, it should be, yes. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. Did my player have a power play point this season? No, my player did not have a power play point this season. Okay. All right, that's I'll say goodbye to Ben Bishop, actually. Um, oh, very sad. Or Ben Bishop. Uh, okay. All right. Here's All right. Hmm. You know what we're gonna do? You know what we're gonna do? We're just going to, we're just gonna keep this simple. All right, with some good old classic questions, such as, "Is your player's number?" Uh. 21 or lower my player's number is 21 or lower brilliant all right very nice all right so let's see how i can do this next one uh, okay all right is your player gonna go old school is your player a forward my player is not a forward oh man should have asked that in the first round god damn um, yeah you should have all right Okay. All right. Now we are going to go with a good old is your player. Hmm, I have 14 players left. Uh, what do I want to do? Uh, hmm, is your player, what's your player born in? No. Uh, ooh, no, I don't want to do, do one of those. I'm going to do something. Hmm, I've got four. So I've got 14 players left and I don't want to do 50, 57. And I feel like nine and Nine and five is like a little too much. So I'm looking for something that splits at eight and six. Let's see what we can work out here. Uh, ooh, how about how about one of these? Oh, yeah, this is nice. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, was your player born in a month that starts with the letter? No, how, no, never mind, never mind. Was your player born? Was your player born in May, June, or July? No. All right. That yeah, is God. good. We like to hear that. We like to hear that. Okay, I got to buckle down now. 
gotta buckle down. Maybe we should swing for the fences. Maybe we should kind of play safe. Okay, all right, we'll go uh, another one. Uh, does your player, did your player score any points this season? My player did not score any points this season. Wow, we went just no namer uh, off the bat. Okay, all right. Got a couple right. goalies in here. Actually, I have All three right. goalies in here. What the hell? Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. So, my t- how many players do you have left now? I got five. Okay. you And you went first, right? Yeah. Okay. I've got six players left right now, and I'm about to get it down to three with, was your player born in Canada? My player was not born in Canada. All right. Okay. So... Uh, I have got three players left now. Radek Faxa, John Klingberg, and Matthias Janmark. All somewhat prominent players. Okay. All right. Just for context, I got Gavin Bayreuther, Thomas Harley, Landon Bow, Anton Hudobin, and Jake Ottinger. So, how do I like my odds here? Uh, not not very much. Um, I'll just say that. And so, uh, we're going to go... Hmm. Okay. Should we ask a question? You know what? I've got faith. I've got faith uh, that you won't get my guy. And so I'm going to go. Okay. Or maybe I should. All right. You know what? Screw it. I'm going with a guess. Uh, I'm looking through these names. The guy that jumps out at me is your player, Thomas Harley. My player is not Thomas Harley. Feels bad, man. Feels bad. Okay. I feel like maybe that that was kind of not the greatest strategy to go with the guess with five players left, but I'm not I'm not okay. going to judge you yet because this game's not over. Uh, I've got my three players: Faxa, Klingberg, Yanmark, and I'm going to go with the uh, Czech stud. Is your player Radic Faxa? My player is not Radic Faxa. Okay, so not I'm Radic still Faxa. in this. I'm still in this. Okay. Wow. Might really might be a goalie. Okay. Oof. This is nerve wracking. Okay. Guy who screams at me now is uh is a goalie. Is the third string goalie. My boy. Uh is your goalie. Is your goalie. Is your player noted goalie, Mr. American, Jake Ottinger. My player is not Jake Ottinger. Jesus Christ. Completely brutal. Should have asked a question last round. This is just miserable. Okay. Alright. We've got a 50-50 coin flip right now. John Klinkberg and Matthias Janmark. A couple of a couple of Swedes. I'm going to go with the defenseman. Right shot is your player, John Klingberg. Oh, man. You took round one. My player is John Klingberg. Let's go. Let's go. All right. I've got the upper hand again, but I cannot let my guard down because I think this happened last time also. And, of course, that ended in a tie. So it's time for a comeback, people. It's time for a comeback. All right. Who was your player? My player was Gavin Bayreuther. No! Oh, no. I guess the defenseman. Crying out loud. All right. Feels bad. Oof. He was the odd man out. I should have taken him. I was screaming. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, well. Okay. Next up. Next round. Time, time to randomize again. Yeah. All right. It's loading. All right. Okay. Got my player. Do you have yours? Okay. Me too. Yeah. Okay. I'm muting All in right. three, two, one. Got Jake Ottinger, goalie man. Okay. I'm back. Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Last time mm-hmm. I muted, last time I muted, mm-hmm. uh, my clock on my laptop was like something in 57 seconds. And I watched until it got to like two seconds of the next minute to unmute. And it was the exact same time this time, 57 to two, which is a little wow. weird. Okay. Anyway. Good. Uh, All right. 
Muting in three, two, one. We've got a repeat. My player is John Klingberg. Okay. All right. I'm back. All right. Um, okay. So you're, I you guess. Kick, kick off this time. Yeah, I guess first this time. All right. Hmm. Why don't we go with? Oh wait. Let me just count something real quick. One, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Sure. Why not? Has your player ever played for another team besides the Dallas Stars? Uh let me go research that. Like NHL team, right? Like yeah, another junior. NHL team besides the Dallas Stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all these players have played junior before. Um, so this player has not played for any NHL team. Any uh, other NHL team. Do not like to hear that. Do not like to hear that. Oh, well. Uh, That's too I bad. To my big guns. Uh, was your player drafted by the Dallas Stars? My player was drafted by the Dallas Stars. I'm pretty sure that's not very good for me. How many players you got left? How many players do I have left? 19. Oof, that's rough. Um, yep. Okay, I just have to say goodbye to a bunch of people. Can you get a little closer to your mic? You're a little quiet. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. All right, because I'm, I'm leaning into my computer. All right, yeah. here we go. Okay, I got okay. I got 15 guys, or 14 guys. There we go. I'm in, I'm in uh, prime position. Uh-oh, I just noticed something weird. Uh, for some reason in my spreadsheet, uh, Stephen Johns and Yoel Kiviranta are both listed as being born in the year 1905, which I'm pretty sure is incorrect. <laughs> pretty sure that's wrong. Uh, oh, I would we, hope so. You, okay, uh, can you just yeah. save me a, a minute and um, and just tell me what year they were born in? Okay, so who, who are your players again? Kiviranta? Yeah, Kiviranta Kiviranta and Stephen Johns. In 96, 96? okay. Thank for Kiviranta and Stephen Johns. Uh, one sec. I got to sort alphabetically because I can't find him right now. Um, is he even on my list? He is on my list in 92. 92. All right. Oh, wait, why is he on your list? Didn't you just take off everyone who wasn't drafted by Dallas? No, no, no. I, I just, uh, I, I have a fresh list. I have fresh lists ready to go. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. Around. I got my fresh list and then I have my rough list that I play during, that I use during the game. All right. Anyway. Uh, all right, let's head back over to the uh, the height and weight column, see if we can work something out here. Uh, sure, why not? Let's go with, let's go with, is your player, hmm, is your player six foot three or taller? Is my player six foot three or taller? My player is six foot three or taller. All right, okay, bye, everyone six two and shorter. Okay, okay, this isn't looking too bad for me, it's looking okay. How many you got? Uh, I've got nine players left now. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. Maybe I'll swing for the fences. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Um, worst comes to worst, it'll be tied. Best case scenario, I'll have a pretty chunky lead. Um, is your player a forward? My player is not a forward. Oh, man. I, I really got to start asking these questions earlier. I'm crying out loud. Um, <laughs> That doesn't help me at all. Okay. All right. Oh, it doesn't help you? I thought game. it did. It does Usually not help. Does. No, it didn't. No, okay. I so I got to ask them earlier. Okay. Oh, okay. So how Here many players go. do you have left? I have uh, eight now. Okay. You have eight. I have nine. And I guessed first. So, all right. Here we go. We are going to ask, is your player a forward? My player is not a forward. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so that's not great for me either. I am I've got five players now. Okay. Um let me just sort by nationality. You got how many players? Five? Four? Five. Alright. Um is your player Canadian? My player is not Canadian. Oh man, you had me with the is. I thought I nailed it, but damn. Okay, nope. I got five too. <laughs> I had you with the is and the is not. Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. My turn. Uh, Was your player born in a province or state ending with the letter A? He was. All right. Okay. Bye-bye Syracuse and bye-bye Helsinki. We got Alberta, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota remaining. Uh, Let's go with a classic. Does your player have any points? Does my player have any points? Uh, yes, my player has scored points this Aww. season. So you didn't <laughs> get Gavin Bayreuther again. And it's not no, I did not get Gavin Bayreuther again. Who else do you eliminate because of that? I guess like a goalie or something? Oh, man, I just realized. Um, shoot. Bayreuther and Bishop. Well, I thought I was eliminating Bishop, but Bishop does have a point. He just didn't show up in my column because oh. it didn't count goalie points. Oh boy, that's wrong. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay, I got three players brutal. left now. Okay, here we go. If I win this round, which I get this right, that doesn't guarantee I win this round. But if I do win this round, then I win uh, the Dallas Stars round. Uh, I've got Landon Bow, Stephen Johns, and Jake Gottinger. Um. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. I don't know if this is cheating to use this information, but I guess not because it's just a thing that happened. When I asked you what year Stephen Johns was born in. You did not have that information immediately on hand, which probably means he wasn't at the top of your mind, uh, unless I'm incredibly overthinking it. So I'm going to go with one of these goalies. We've got Landon Bowe and Jake Ottinger. Uh, hmm. Jake Ottinger is definitely the more fun of the two players. Uh, so that's why I'm going to guess Landon Bowe. Is your player Landon Bowe? My player is not Landon Bowe. Okay. All right. Got a shot to win it. Got a shot to win it. Here we go. We have Heiskanen, Klingberg, Johnson, Bishop. And just immediately, the other three players have, like, connections. Bishop should not be here because I screwed up. Johns, we just talked about Johns. Klingberg, didn't we just have a Klingberg thing? Uh, didn't I just have Klingberg? Uh, so, yeah, my boy, defenseman out of Finland. Uh, legend. Uh, young stud. Miro Heiskanen. Is your player Miro Heiskanen? My player is not Miro Heiskanen. Jesus. Okay, all right. You're up. All right. We got Johnson Ottinger again. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Is your player Steven Johns? My player is not Steven Johns. Oh. Ouch. Okay. Ouch. All right. Uh-oh. Man. <laughs> your player Johns or Klingberg. I don't know, man. Uh, oh, okay. All right. The way you said fuck it. Makes me think that maybe you thought that we both had Steven Johns. So is your player Steven Johns? My player is not Steven Johns. Oh, man. Just terrible. Just freaking terrible. Okay. All right. All right. Who are your two guys you have left now? Klingberg and Bishop. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to guess. Is your player Jake Ottinger? It is Jake Ottinger. Okay. Um, All right. That's nice. So now 50-50 shot for you to tie this round and keep it going. I hate this. I hate this. If I lose, it's because I screwed up by only taking out one guy. 
uh, yep. earlier. Um, and that's unfortunate. Okay. It's your guy. Are you can I, I, I think, I don't know. The way you responded to that points question makes me think, is your guy Johnny Klingberg? Yes, my player is John Klingberg. Whew. Oh my god. Okay. Swing bullets. Wait. Oh, why did bullets. you think? Why did yeah. you think the way I responded to the points question made you think that it was? Uh... It was fast. It was fast. I don't know. Really? I, I tried to make confident it... in the game. I tried yeah. to make it seem like I was thinking about it for a second because I could. Be like, oh yeah, Klingberg had points. I was trying to make a thing like. Seemed like I was thinking about it, but not too hard, you know, so you wouldn't get any information from it. But I guess it didn't work. All right, congratulations. I tried the. I tried this. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I tried the same thing with the Jake Ottinger when you asked had he played for any other teams. Like obviously, this guy was drafted like three years ago by the Stars. Uh, he hadn't played for any American team. I was like, yo, let me just check. Oh, Give me a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, I didn't even think of that by it the end. He was your last player. Okay. It did work. Last and. Round. All right, we tied. I feel like I blew that one because I had three players there and I went with the wrong ones two in a row. Ah, oh, whatever. Okay, last round. You've got to win this round for the tie. So I've clinched at least a tie once again. Feels good. Feels good, but I want the win because that'll feel a lot better. Randomizing. One final time. All right, got my player. Do you have yours? Yeah, I got mine. Okay, muting in All three, right. two, one. Radic Faxa. Sick-ass name. Let's go. I'm back. Ready to mute? Yeah, ready. Muting in three, two, one. My player is Jason Robertson. Right. I'm coming back now. Okay. okay. So it is now your turn to guess first. Okay. All right. So, you know, this game keeps teaching me. I gotta, gotta stick old school, but I also have to stick with the forward question first. That's what I'll do. Uh, is your player the forward? My player is a forward. Oh, Christ. The one time. Yep. Fucking one Blew time. It. I ask it. Completely miserable. Just miserable. Okay. Oh. Oh, look at this. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so I changed the the birth year thing on um, my working document, but not on the one that I've been copy-pasting from. But instead of Johnson Kibiranta, now it's Jamie Benn who says he's born in 1905, which is, I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, pretty sure Jamie Benn's like, what, 1988, right? Uh, he is 1989. 1989. Okay, I hope there are no other mistakes in that column. Uh, I, may, I, I won't risk it. I won't go with that column. Uh, I'm just going to go with a, a good old uh, last name question. And we're going to ask... Is your does your player's last name start with a letter between A and H, A to H? Does my player's last name start from A to H? Yeah. Uh, yes, it does. All right. Okay. Not ideal, but my turn. Okay, I'm using my my big guns. My big guns. Uh, my big question. Uh, so it's the shooting percentage. You better pull it up because does your player. Have a shooting percentage of ten percent or higher. All right, I'm pulling up the hockey reference page for this player. Shooting percentage. Uh, okay, so I guess that's under shots. The S percentage. Does my player have ten percent or higher? No, my player's shooting percentage is not ten percent or higher. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. All right. Uh oh. I got. I got eight guys left. Only eight? Wow. Uh-oh. Oh, no. 
I, I'm gonna I sense another tie on the horizon, but I don't like it. Wait a second. Um oh you guessed first, right? So Okay, this is not too bad because I have 17 now. And so I can get to, to your range with this next question if I so desired. Uh, you know what? Let's go with... Hmm, what question do we want to go with? How about a, hmm, a draft question? Will that work? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. What's your player drafted by the Dallas Stars? Okay, I will refer to my... Um, my clean spreadsheet, I should say. Uh, so my player was not drafted by the Dallas Stars. All right. Goodbye, all Dallas Stars draft picks. We are also down to eight players over here. Looks like we are in a tie, which is pretty favorable for me. Okay, I got to smack some dingers then. Was your player drafted in the first round? My player was not drafted in the first round. Oh, brutal. Just brutal. Okay. All right. I can't get a break. Can't catch a break. What is going on? Okay. Eight guys. Uh, two of them are goalies. Three of them are defensemen. Three of them are forwards. Hmm, do I want to go with that one? See if maybe you have a forward. Uh, we've also got six Canadians and two Americans. Uh, a couple June birthdays. Hmm. Ooh, how about this one? How about this one? Was your player undrafted? Okay. Uh, my dude was undrafted. All right. Okay. Yeah, not great because I had five guys left that were undrafted and three that were drafted. So not the okay. ideal right. response on my end. So you got five guys. Five guys. Um. All right. Okay. Five guys. Maybe I should start guessing. Maybe not. Maybe not. Was your guy drafted in the second round? Yes, my player was drafted in the second Ooh, round. Ooh, nice. Got a 50-50 shot. Next round. Here we go. Wait, you you have two players left? I have two players left. Who are they? Matthias Janmark and Ty Delandria. Okay. Uh, I've got five guys left now. And I want to try to whittle it down to two as well to keep in step with you. So, I'm going to ask, what's your player defenseman? My player is not a defenseman. Nice. All right. I've only got two players left now. Your turn. Oh, no. Okay. All right. So, first of all, I should have started by just asking if your player was drafted in the second round, but that would have been some serious foresight. Uh, all right. I have... What's what's the outcome here? I have a 25% chance of tying the, the series um, at this point. 75% chance of taking the L today. Uh, and it involves, either way, it involves me taking the right player here. And Matthias Yanmark and fucking Ty Delandria. Mmm, uh, I gotta get comfy in my chair. Do I take the Canadian? Do I take the, I think that's a Sweden. Um, who knows? All right. Hmm. You know, I think I like Yanmark better because he has more position eligibility on my spreadsheet. He's a center and a left wing. We love some versatility. Awesome veteran experience. Mm, yeah, three years in the league. Number 13. 13's lucky. 13's lucky. Is your player, Matthias Janmark. No, my player is not Matthias Janmark. Oh, man. There it is. Taking the L today. All right. All right. Let's see if you win 2 nothing or 1 nothing. All right. Uh, my players are Landon Bow and Justin Dowling. 
Uh, let's go with Landon Bow. Is your player Landon Bow? My player is not Landon Bow. Okay, your turn. Um, is your player Ty Delandria? No, my player is not Ty Delandria. Okay. What? Tylon. Hold on. Yep. Mm. Uh, I noticed this. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't say anything. Uh, so I'll I'll just finish this game. Uh, is your player Justin Dowling? My player is not Justin Dowling. What? What's going on? Yeah. Okay. I know what's going on with you. Uh, because Delandria and Yanmark were both not second round picks. Delandria was a first rounder, and Yanmark was a third rounder. Damn. Uh. Okay. All right. Again, I've been my spreadsheet's been disappointed. Hold up. Um, All right. And what happened with what happened with me? Okay. My wait. Oh, man. Um. So let me see what your question. What were your questions? Um, I don't remember. Uh. I, I asked. I didn't keep track of where my player was. Okay. So my player I know. is undrafted. Yeah. He is not a defenseman. Um. All right. Um. There? The, undrafted. The number, wait, wait. No, we didn't ask the number this time around. All, All right. right. He is Ada H. In last name. Um, okay. Um, I'm looking. There was Dowling, not a defenseman, and A to H. Not a defenseman and A to H and undrafted. We have Landon Bow, and we have Justin Dowling, and we have. Uh, I think that's it. So yeah, I don't know what's up with you. Who is your player? I guess I guess uh Wow. I guess... Okay, hockey reference has been letting me down. What is going what on? Um not only it's giving me the wrong draft slot for a bunch of people. Uh because Radic Fax was my guy, but he was drafted. Like first round, dude. What the hell? Um Yeah, that's a first round. So pick. uh yeah. Spreadsheet malfunction on my end. Uh so we'll chalk this one up as an L. Uh two nothing. Wait, wait, so so what you're saying is I asked a question and you gave me the wrong information? I did. I believe that is a uh, a penalty for you and therefore a win for me. Whereas on my end, I, would, I, would agree I gave you. you no false information because my player, Jason Robertson, was indeed a second round pick. Okay, hold up. Give me a second. I think, anyways, anyways, I think my spreadsheet just broke. Um, I would say it's a, it's a product of having way too many columns. Um, so, uh, uh-huh. we took different routes. Mine was clearly the wrong route and, uh, it showed in the score. So took an L. you take a lead in the series, two to one. Feels uh, good. And, uh, yeah, that's where we stand. So yeah. Would you like uh, a little victory speech here? Uh, I just want to say that, um, this was a great experience for me to have a lead and I hope that <laughs> it never goes away, uh, ever again. And that I win every guess who from here on till the end of time. All right, so sure. let's wrap it up because this was an extremely long episode. I think about as long as our longest ever. Uh, so that's it for this week's Fusion and Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week on Sunday, most likely, to talk about uh, the end of the Stanley Cup Finals, I guess, and the draft. Probably lots of draft duck because the draft will only be a few days away at that point.